Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now a ton of news coming your way. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And if you've got tips or stories you want us to cover here on the podcast, you can always email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. But let's jump right into it. Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, had his quarterly, I believe, investor call, and they always uh, run through upcoming slates, things to really hype up the stockbrokers. The hottest news source is mm-hmm. a phone call when one rich guy talks to other rich people. <laughs> it kind of is, though. He usually saves a bunch of things to hype people up to get the stock price up. Very successful this time by surprise announcing Moana 2, for example, something that I don't think anybody knew was coming. Uh, Wild. Yeah, Frozen 3, talked more about that, talked about a a bunch of stuff with Disney Parks. Plus, uh, they bought Epic, which owns Fortnite, and now you're going to be able to shoot Olaf in the face, I assume. So that's pretty exciting. (laughs) Wow, he's he's gotten my letters. (laughs) (laughs) But something that was mostly absent from the call per our podcast was Marvel. He confirmed that, yep, Marvel is reducing their output, something that he said on the past couple of calls and been pretty openly transparent about. He did say they're going to focus on stronger franchises in the future, and let's leave it at that. Again, Mm -hmm. that ties into a lot of the stuff that he's talked about before, where he said, we need to focus on the marquee characters, meaning your Avengers, your Captain America, your Iron Man, etc., versus what some might consider second-tier characters, like your She-Hulk and your Miss Marvel. I'm not saying I agree with that, but that's definitely what he's been pushing, because they want to play it safe with the box office, since they've really hit rock bottom here. And (laughs) alarm bells went off. Because all he mentioned when they were talking about the 2025 slate is he mentioned Captain America, Brave New World, and Fantastic Four, among other movies that they're going to release in 2025. But that was it. However, and then I'll stop Mm. monologuing, we can talk about this stuff immediately afterwards, as they tend to do. They sent out an updated theatrical slate and included all of the things that you'd expect on the theatrical slate. I'll read them now. Here's what's upcoming for Marvel from Disney. On July 26th of this year, we have Untitled Deadpool Movie. Throw a title, guys. It's time. Mm-hmm. Let's I wanna, get it going. I want to just take a pause there because I don't know exactly when we're going to put this one up. We're taping this on Saturday. I feel like Super Bowl Saturday. Super Bowl Saturday. <laughs> yes. But to that point, I think there's every chance, A, there's going to be a Deadpool 3 trailer in the Super Bowl, and B, they're probably waiting to announce the title until then, right? Yeah. Agree. I think we're going to know the title. Uh, for, we will know this tomorrow in our timeline. Yeah. But um, it's it's going to be out there. Is what I'm yes. Uh, and I will mention there is a rumor about the title of Deadpool. I don't think this is real, but I do think this might be a joke they put in the trailer. The title being Deadpool and Friend. That's, really, that's very funny. It is very funny. I don't think they'll actually put that on a marquee. But I think like doing that at the end of a trailer, very funny thing to do. Agree. I yeah. want to see some fun in the Super Bowl. Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman, hanging out. Let's get some antics, guys. Wait, can I throw out one more probably wrong prediction while we're throwing yeah. out stuff early before uh, the trailer potentially comes out? We don't even have confirmation. I think, first of all, we got Ryan Reynolds thrown out an if trailer. 
Uh, he's thrown out probably a Deadpool 3 trailer, probably at a, like a mid-mobile commercial or something. So he's yeah, probably he already going to be the highlight of the Super Bowl ad-wise. But I think there's every chance if Taylor Swift is actually Dazzler in Deadpool 3, 100% they will put her in the trailer so that the Super Bowl becomes all about Ryan Reynolds and Taylor Swift. Well, I, that's amazing. That will be wild. I was thinking very much in the Taylor Swift uh, universe. Do we get some sort of joke moment of like Hugh Jackman doing like a Travis Kelsey and Ryan Reynolds sort of being his Taylor uh, uh, yeah, up maybe. in the booth? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a fun joke area, I think, for them to be playing in. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll uh, know by not this time tomorrow. We're taping pretty early, but <laughs> rise point. early for Marvel news. Sure do. We got to get but our nose to the grindstone. Just to get back to the theatrical slate. So on February 14th, 2025, Captain America Brave New World, May 2nd, 2025, Fantastic Four, uh, July 25th, Thunderbolts, November 7th, 2025, Blade. And then jumping forward to 2026, on February 13th, we have Untitled Marvel, everybody's favorite property. Mm. Can't wait to watch that. May 1st, we've got Avengers The Kang Dynasty. July 24th, Untitled Marvel. November 6th, Untitled Marvel. And then all the way, May 7th, 2027, Avengers Secret Wars. Now, I have a couple of thoughts about this, but I'm curious to hear your gut reaction to any of this list. Well, it's interesting we're getting uh, Deadpool this year. Um, but then next year we're jumping back up to four movies. That feels like a big, uh, feast to, or famine to feast situation. And the Fantastic Four coming in, you know, a little over a year. We haven't had any cast announcement yet. Uh, that's gotta be coming soon. I don't know. There's a, this is a lot of, this still feels hopeful. There's the mm-hmm. Thunderbolts has been also like recasting blade. We don't, that feels like it went back to the drawing board fully with a whole new script. So this still feels hopeful. I don't know if this is a locked in slate by any means where it is. It never really is, is the thing like to your point, most of these things are about reserving dates and being like, hey, you stay away from this date. We have a Marvel movie coming out. Whatever. You can't have this. So that way, everybody, every other studio plans around that and puts their stuff. So they're like, okay, we know this Marvel movie is coming out. It's probably going to dominate theaters for at least two weeks. So if we have a big action movie, we want to put a three weeks down the road. So it doesn't, we're not going to lose money to that. So that's this game they play as they like shift around the chess pieces with all this stuff. So to your point, I think this is Disney still not willing to give up these dates, but 100% many, if not all of these things will move. Like to your point, my two big takeaways, my first big takeaway, exactly like you're saying, I cannot imagine that they're like, let's calm down the amount of content coming out from Marvel. We're going to have one movie this year and then we're back maybe in 2025. That's just not going to happen. They're going to do like two movies a year, maybe. And they'll have a couple of TV shows, probably mostly animated, at least one live action, but they're going to like, whittle this down and space this out significantly i think well and to that point in the the gamesmanship of it like what's going to be competing with superman um like which of these movies because it you know if superman's coming in july you've got Mm -hmm. fantastic four in may and then thunderbolts in july like i feel like you want a movie that you're is a surefire banger 
to be out there around the same time as Superman Legacy for the media coverage of it, which mm-hmm. will be a little bit horse race e no matter what they do. And there, that puts the Fantastic Four movie in a hot seat, mm-hmm. I think, for has to be good, has to be a, a winner. I mean, Deadpool, I think, will will pay them out. They'll be riding high on that. It's just, can they creatively pull it together? When a movie like Captain America Brave New World feels like it's been troubled. It feels mm-hmm. like it's problematic. So, like, I don't know. I think they really, their next big hit is is has to be Fantastic Four, given this list. But to your point, that's for a Fantastic Four movie that has to be mostly special effects and they've been dinged so many times behind the scenes for special effects they gotta get that right there has yeah. not been a good take on fantastic four yet with multiple takes on that franchise i think they know how important that is they just can't put out like yeah it's a fantastic four movie you enjoy like i it Two to three years ago, it would have been enough to be like, oh, thank God, an MCU Fantastic Four movie. Now, we're not exactly in the same place, but like Fox Fantastic Four level, they can't do that. They can't even do like one grade above that. It needs to be a complete home run of a Fantastic Four movie. And this is sort of the resetting of the franchise in the same way that Superman Legacy is. Mm -hmm. And that, that tracks, Fantastic Four is, from the comic book world, is like... A, the core of the Marvel comic universe and are like essential to what Marvel has been for since its inception. It's just a harder movie to pull off because it's not the same themes. It's like a, it's like a Guardians movie more than it is like any of the Avengers lead up movies. Cause it's about like family. It's a lot of characters. It's about their relationships and they're, you know, very, quote unquote, wholesome. They're very mm-hmm. like sort of over the plate. It's hard to find like, you know, none of them are bad or edgy. Human Torch is like a little bit of a jerk sometimes, but he's by no means someone you're like, whoa, what's he going to say? <laughs> well, here, let me throw out a wild prediction at you, which, you know, we know as much as anybody else. But I could see, even with potential trouble behind the scenes, I could see Captain America Brave New World shifts off its date, moves into that May date because like – yeah, Mem- even maybe a little later, but like Memorial Day, Captain America, that fits. You got a good tie in there. You throw it in May. It's the kickoff of the summer, basically, even though summer is creeped earlier and earlier every year. And so summer starts on the Valentine's Day, I believe, mm-hmm. according to this slate. Well, that sorry. Let me just take a, like a little sidestep here. How did Valentine's Day become the Marvel Day? Because we got Madam Web this year, Captain America on Valentine's Day next year. The year after that, we have Untitled Marvel, whatever that is. What is the deal with that? <laughs> well, I think it is the creep of like, because it used to be March. There was a big superhero movie in March, and now it just jumped to February. Because that's when the movie slate is is dead. Is mm-hmm. there's not, not Good movies don't come out in January, February. And it seems like Marvel has been like, well, hold my beer. so back to it though i could see captain america moving to the may date i could see thunderbolts if it does actually happen move to blades date in november and both fantastic four and blade potentially shift to the next year whatever else they have planned i don't know um but those seem like maybe more ready to go than the other things like to your point i i don't know how do they turn around fantastic four in a year year and a half well but Aren't they? They're probably in the same place. If yeah. they've been doing pre-production with that and Thunder Thunderbolts has been in production for a while, but they keep shifting casts. 
they don't have a full cast yet. So mm-hmm. Fantastic Four, same. Like, I feel like those movies could be sort of tied in the schedule. And I, I just feel like they're going to want a banger to compete with Superman next year. And is Thunderbolts that something that feels like detritus a little bit from pre- literally it's a bunch of characters that appeared in <laughs> other movies that they've yeah. scooped together. So like, I think fantastic four has to come. And I would say maybe that, that leapfrogs Thunderbolts and comes alongside brave new world next year. Maybe we'll see. Uh, why don't we move on a little bit? Talk about Marvel has released a new official timeline That includes individual seasons of the Netflix shows. It's not a huge surprise, but it certainly places them in continuity. I wanted to get your bead on this because people are Mm. freaking out online. They're talking constantly about like the Netflix shows. They're inching closer to being canon. Are they canon? Personally, I sort of don't care. You know, like it's fine either way. You know, they can address things or not. Um, What's your take on it? Well, the thing is, they happened, right? right? We all saw them. It's fine. The the canonization of it, like, I, to to me, I would rather see them from just the all the stuff we just talked about with the fraught creative place that all superhero content has been in for the last few years. I'd rather see them, like, reset and look at stuff and take elements from it, sort of like what they're hopefully doing with the Daredevil series and being like, look, here's all this stuff you like. We're going to do it in a way that feels better than what we saw before because we want it to be better. So I don't need them to go back and be just, you know, give it all these other shows the crown and then be like, and then move forward with them. I want them to just like figure out what works and just go. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I also don't think like, they don't need to contradict anything. Like we've said this yeah. incessantly on the podcast, but there's no thing where it needs to be like they do a Luke Cage season three or Luke Cage board again or whatever they want to call it. Being like, no, he never fought Cottonmouth. Like nobody's going to say <laughs> that. That's not going to happen. They're just going to go and be like, all right, let's weave the need, you know, the thread through the needle a little bit and kind of go forward from there. And that's fine. That's that's why. I'm not getting too hyped up about it. It's like, sure, now you have your Disney Plus watch order. If you want to spend the next couple of weeks watching the entirety of the MCU, I Am Groot is also in there. That's a cute little animated series. Yeah. That's fine. Like, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't fit together, even with the live action movies that were supposed to fit together. It's okay. Enjoy what you enjoy and just go forward from there. Yeah. It doesn't all need to be in one neat box set. I guess is what I would say. Exactly. Getting back to Fantastic Four for a second, there was a bunch of back and forth this week where SAG-AFTRA was having an event and they listed Pedro Pascal as part of the cast of Fantastic Four. Then Matt Shackman, who is, I believe, directing it, posted on Instagram and then SAG-AFTRA deleted that listing and then Matt Chapman deleted his entire Instagram account. Wow. Amazing. Yes. Um, That's just how Marvel intended it to be. Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, we kind of do the Pedro Pascal is probably playing Mr. Fantastic in Fantastic Four. This definitely makes me believe it more because yes. here, here's a dirty little secret that people listening to the podcast might not know. Directors, writers, actors, pretty much everybody have no clue what's going on with press stuff at all times. Like, literally no idea. They see something online, they're like, cool, they announced this thing. 
here we go. And yeah, I'll post this. Well, and also they they both don't know what's happening in the press, but they do know what they're doing yeah. with their lives <laughs> way before we know what they're doing with their lives. That's how lives work. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I think this all but confirms that Pedro Pascal will be Mr. Fantastic, which is great. Uh, and uh, shouts and let's pour one out for Matt Shackman's uh, Instagram. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'll say is I would also bet, and this is speculation, but SAG-AFTRA didn't know what they were talking about. I think they were like, oh, just did a search online. What is he doing recently? It listed him as Fantastic Four. So that was, I think, a big oopsie all around. Yes, I, I definitely agree that it was just a mistake to include that. And then they were like, oh, it's out. Boom. Maybe it was a, an astute fan at SAG-AFTRA was trying to be a little sneaky and got great confirmation out of it. There you go. Pretty exciting. I guess we'll probably find out the rest of the cast soon because it's coming out real soon, folks. Uh, Let's move on to a couple of more serious stories. The first Mm -hmm. one, Kamel Nanjiani went on the Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum podcast and talked about how he went to therapy over bad Eternals reviews. I'm going to read his whole quote about it, as was shared by The Hollywood Reporter. He said, the reviews are bad and I was too aware of it. I was reading every review and checking too much. It was really, really hard because Marvel thought that the movie was going to be really, really well reviewed. So they lifted the embargo early and put it in some fancy movie festivals. And they sent us on a big global tour to promote the movie right as the embargo lifted. I think there was some weird soup in the atmosphere for why that movie got slammed so much. And I think not much of it has to do with the actual quality of the movie. It was really hard. And that was when I thought it was unfair to me and unfair to Emily, who is his wife. And I can't approach my work this way anymore. Some shit has got to change. So I started counseling. I still talk to my therapist about that. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. We actually just got dinner with somebody else from that movie, and we were like, that was tough, wasn't it? And he's like, yeah, that was really tough. And I think we all went through something similar. Um, so full disclosure, we know Kamal Nanjiani from back Friend in the, the day from doing comedy and other stuff. Um, so like that guy, I've been kind of dismayed to see some reaction to this, particularly from critics being like, Get over it, man. This is our job. We're critics. When, like, he's being open about the fact that he went to therapy and he was traumatized and upset about something. And I think ultimately that's, frankly, a very positive step if you're feeling something like that in your life to go and deal with it by talking to somebody. Definitely. And also, like, the the the, the slapback when it that movie was so, like Kumail saying in this quote, it was supposed to be such a big hit. And then it was so it was smashed. Like, I feel like critics were like they felt blood in the water with this movie and were like, let's get it. Mm -hmm. And they did. And, you know, it was a a movie that also was like Marvel stepping out into like more like prestige filmmaking. And I think they were like, no, you stay in your superhero corner Mm -hmm. from a critical point of view. And, you know. My opinion, it wasn't a great movie, but Kumail, from a performance perspective, was great in it. He did all the rows. And like, for God's sakes, the amount of press about the shape he got in for that movie, like no one is taking that away from him. Mm -hmm. And so he there are positives there. But when you're feeling that negativity, you can't feel the positive side of it. So and that's what going to therapy is about, is evening that out and like finding the right path forward. So I think shouts to him for be talking about this and, you know, being in a better place. 
Yeah, 100%. And uh, I, I'm on the same page as you. I thought Cabal was great at the movie. There was a lot of stuff to like about it. I don't think it was great overall, but there were things that I certainly enjoyed. Um, I do think the general reaction of like, wow, why are critics so mean? Um, some of them are, but the large majority of critics, I will say, are trying to do their jobs and trying to think cohesively about like, the whole of a film, the whole of a genre of film, where it sits in its place. Sometimes you're going very quickly and, you know, we're not all, you're trying to craft your words and sometimes you just go quickly and use the wrong words or something like that. There are certainly like, not to slag off a portion, but like certainly there's some fan press that is in this race to buy, like have a dunk contest where it's like who can come up with the best pun or insults about a thing. So certainly that exists there. I think there's also the aspect of Kumail is a big old nerd. You know, we knew him from like video game shows that he do live yeah. and other things. So getting to be a Marvel superhero is probably a dream come true. And when people are like, this is the end of the MCU, you're like, oh, no, what? Yeah. What did I do? So I get that. But but I don't know. I th- There's a lot of different things, I think, that are at play here. Like you're saying, I think great that he went to therapy about it. Great that he's dealing with his issues over it. I'm sorry that it was a bummer, but also at the same time, slamming critics as a whole, which I don't think he's doing here, is something that I do think needs to stop as well. Yeah, no, I think he's he was sort of, he talks about it like a force of nature and the timing mm-hmm. of the embargo lifting, going to big movie festivals. So like, it was really just the narrative of this movie was was tough. You know, it like it being, like I said, that step out, like Marvel being like, we're going to do something very fancy. And then it not being as good as as the other movies. It was like, it was hard not to talk about it in that context and judge the movie on its own. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Was it hot on the heels of Chloe Zhao doing Nomad Land, or was it in like the same period as when it was being considered with Oscars? I honestly don't I th- remember. Yeah, I think it was more that it was it was coming out when um, when Chloe Zhao was just was coming off of all of that hype, and this, so a lot of the story of like Nomad Land was like, and now she's doing a big budget Marvel movie, and then it came out, and it was like, what happened here? <laughs> Who will? All right. Well, uh, good for Cabal. Um, everybody else, leave him alone. Uh, even sadder story here, though. A crew yeah. member has died on the set of Wonder Man. His name, as was uh, revealed by GoFundMe, is Juan Spike Osario. He was a rigger on the show. He fell from the catwalk. Um, all we've really heard about this story, or at least all I've seen about this story so far, is... We don't know what exactly happened, how he passed away, other than falling from the catwalk. His wife, I believe, put up the GoFundMe, which is GoFundMe.com slash F slash Juan Spike Osario dash W-U. And it's raised over $170,000 so far. Really, she's just, you know, they've lost a breadwinner in the family. She doesn't know if there's going to be legal issues involved or what's going to happen exactly. So... That's mainly what she's asking about is like, hey, I don't know what's happening in the future now because my husband just died. So yeah, can I get some money? Uh, it's great that people are coming out and supporting that. Um, this is always a sad, awful thing when it happens on set. 
Yeah, and like you know, it's it's dangerous the, these mm-hmm. jobs. And no, there's always on any set there's a focus on safety. Every every set you have a safety. No matter if you're filming uh, a dog park with uh, dogs running around, puppies, you have a safety meeting at the top of every day where you go over issues so that things like this don't happen. But naturally, they do because you're doing dangerous things, especially like way up in the air. Like it sounds like he was. A lot of actors have shared this GoFundMe and are uh, talking about it as a solidarity uh, thing where, like, he is an IATSE member, the union of uh, workers that uh, work behind the scenes on set. So, like, uh, really happy about that and happy that um, the family will have uh, some compensation to help them get through this very difficult situation. 100 percent. So we'll uh, we will share the GoFundMe in the blurb. For the podcast, if you want to check it out. Moving on, this ties back to something we've talked about earlier. Florence Pugh says that Thunderbolts filming should begin shortly. In fact, as right after she's done with Dune Part 2 Press, she's going to move on to that. The quote that she gave over to, I think it was Entertainment Tonight. I should have written that down. Says, it kind of feels like it might still might not happen because of the amount of times that it's been paused, which is just a natural feeling. But I'm going straight after this. I'm going to go to Atlanta and start doing some prep. And then I'm off. I'm shooting. So I'll be there. I'll be there for a large portion of time. And it's wonderful. You know, when we shot Black Widow, we thought we were going to shoot the next movie relatively sooner than we did. And it's just been this thing that's been looming at some point in the future. And now it's actually happening. So it feels a little real, but it's coming back. Elena is coming back. Nice. Right. She still seems like I don't think this is going to happen. And it still feels like there's a non-zero chance this movie might get canceled, right? Well, I don't know. You really think that? I feel like when she says, I'm going to Atlanta after this to start doing prep, I believe that. Like, so like if she's going to Atlanta, that feels like that's, Mm -hmm. there's at least some pre-production happening. And if not- Maybe by prep, she means like, there's some really good restaurants in Atlanta. So she's just doing like a tour and trying some delicious food. I mean, I, you think she's just straight up lying when she says, and now it's actually happening. So no, it feels no, no, a little no. She real. just feels like <laughs> surreal about it. And like we talked about, there have been people dropping out, getting recast. I think, I think you said in our Patreon Slack, maybe that, or somebody said that like, if the director or the writer fall out, that's clearly it. Like, I don't yeah. think they're going forward with Thunderbolts so far. It seems like we've had a big role, which is the century is getting switched somehow. We have a smaller role, which is whatever AO Debris and now uh, I'm forgetting her name um, mm-hmm. is uh, subbing in. I think that was Julia Louis Dreyfus's assistant or something like that. Um, but we haven't had any of the big actors drop out, like Florence Pugh, David Harbour, Sebastian Stan, etc. So I guess we'll see. Uh, Geraldine uh, Viswanathan. Yes, I believe is yeah, uh, replacing Io. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, the major pieces are there, and if they have any sort of schedule, they're going there and starting because you know they can start doing to your to the point you just said, like some of the bigger scenes and set pieces mm-hmm. with the main actors, and, and they can figure out these other things as they're going. Yeah, so. We'll see. Thunderbolts moving forward, potentially. Next up, there have been pictures of plenty, as we've been talking about, from the set of Daredevil. Lots of spoilery stuff that I don't think we will get into here. But 
one of the big ones is just Charlie Cox hanging out in his new Daredevil suit. Tons of yeah. pictures of that through Getty, through fans, etc. Here's the main reason I wanted to bring this up, uh, because I saw somebody bring this up on somewhere online. Um, but DC, specifically the CW, whenever they were getting ready to film with somebody in a new superhero outfit, they'd always be like, here's the official photo. And the reason they did that was they're going to be on set the next day and they knew they'd be filming outside and it would leak yeah. somehow. Why doesn't Marvel do that? I just think their their apparatus is isn't built. I think as top to bottom in that way. Mm-hmm. I I mean I don't know. I don't have any inside knowledge of that. I am reading this the book about the story of the MCU uh, from a business standpoint, which has been interesting. But it just feels like they don't. They're not as corporate mm-hmm. as that. And I'm sure they're they're corporate in many many ways. But DC has always been from the comic book world top to bottom, the more corporate place where they're just more buttoned up that way. And I think they should start doing that, especially <laughs> given these photos that are coming out about this suit. It's it's crazy. I mean, the suit looks great, mind you. Like, it's a really good Daredevil suit. You don't think so? <laughs> I think it's fine. Um, yeah. It's hard to tell based on the pictures. I want a picture that is lit correctly and looks dope. These yeah. pictures are like, he looks like he's in big pajamas. And yeah. like, <laughs> there is one of Charlie Cox just sort of like, doing a little showgirl pose, which is very funny. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we're 10 plus years into the MCU at this point. And we're still getting like set photos from, you know, 50 feet away or just a Lego character blurry that somebody snapped at Toy Fair. They're like, here's the new Captain America costume. It's like, just get, get them on set. You're already on set. Just get them on a green screen Get a shot of them in costume. It does not take that long. You're taking pictures anyway. So just yeah. set aside like an hour to do that. My God. Making a movie is like taking a, just millions of pictures, motion pictures. Yeah. And then they go quick. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, have a little day where you do that. Yeah. Great. Throw a meeting on afterward. Put them in the costume. Very fun. Last but not least, let's talk about Echo. The official viewing numbers for Echo have come out. We talked about several podcasts back about how Disney was like, huge debut here on Disney Plus and Hulu, but didn't provide any numbers or anything like that. Now, we have those numbers per Nielsen, and specifically for the week it came out, January 8th through 14th, 731 million minutes coming in at number 10 on the overall list, which includes acquired things as well as streaming things. Now, I should have done some research here. Is is, this good? Is this number good (laughs) or bad or what? What is this number? Well, so yes, that's what I was going to get into is 731 million minutes. They do that just overall. This is like Nielsen getting the streaming numbers from the households they can get the streaming numbers for. Sorry, that's the song from Rent, right? Yeah, 731 million minutes. There were five episodes of Echo they aired. Anyway. You do the math. (laughs) We don't do the math. (laughs) Right. So compared to other things, it was way below, like, uh, Fool Me, I think. It was the new Harlan Coben show on Netflix, which got over 2 billion minutes and was one of the biggest shows Mm -hmm. they've ever done. So by comparison, not great. Uh, What makes it also not totally great is this is between Disney Plus and Hulu. So you got to take that there in terms of like some sort of split. 
obviously people are not watching both at the same time, probably, I assume. Oh, that'd be a but good way to get the minutes up. Also, 731 million minutes is about where like one episode of Loki debuts. It's been lower for the second seasons recently as the shine has gone off of the MCU. But if I remember correctly, back when like the Mandalorian came out, back when Loki first came out, you got one episode there that's getting about the same number. This is five episodes with those numbers. So first of all, not a disaster. Like it's on the yeah. chart. That's good. That's a good amount of minutes, uh, particularly if they kept the budget low, as has been reported. Not bad, but also not great, you know? But maybe a template to go forward if they, because mm-hmm. I bet they didn't keep the budget as low as they wanted to, but they could maybe actually for the next show keep a lower budget and mm-hmm. still hit this target. If Echo, a you know fraught, uh, everyone was like worried about Echo, a character that you know we we know from another show, but doesn't have like perhaps the largest solo fan base. I think this is a good sort of bar for them to have on the on the slate here. My biggest question coming off of this is I wonder what Disney and Marvel learn from the binge drop. Because if you can get this and you can get on a chart, which is almost as important as anything else, just in terms of advertising, like being like, we were on the top 10 of the Nielsen chart. And then somebody would have to search out to be like, but you were number 10, you know? Yeah. That's a good thing for them to trumpet in reports and press releases and whatever else. So like, does that mean, and it probably doesn't mean this, but does that mean when Daredevil Board again comes out, they're like, here's all nine episodes of the same day. Guess what? We're number one on the Nielsen charts, you know? Potentially. Well, I think that's the sort of, I think that's the bargain that they're trying to figure out when they drop a show like this. Because they need, the way a, a binge drop is treated, I feel like, is that everyone just, everyone who watched it probably watched most of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like you don't get any additional, like if this was, if this was just, it's like wa- watching one movie, but if they spaced it out, then you would get more numbers, but you might not get as high of a number that we're talking about here that they would need for like something like daredevil. Like you're saying from just a pure fan point of view, I want it spaced out. I want to mm-hmm. be able to watch something, think about it, watch it again. That's fun. Um, this is less fun. And from yeah. a, just a press from a press point of view, you want to like really get that like, wow, the finale is so good. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's going to happen, mind you, with Agatha or with Daredevil, because those are both shows that people, even if they're God awful, people are going to watch every single week. They're going to talk about every week. They're going to have a cumulative effect because they're going to be like, here's this wild moment that happened in here. Um, Daredevil, conversely, is a little bit of a question because it was released binge wise earlier. Yeah. So I'm sure that's part of the conversation, but I don't know. I think they're going to want to go weekly with that. I think it's the first time I encountered this model was I think the boys on Amazon, but the mm-hmm. perfect model is drop three episodes. Yep. And then one, one a week. It's perfect. You get yep. your big binge number, you get people hooked and then you get them to watch, watch on two episodes even, but that's the yep. way. Listen, that's the way. Totally agree. 
And for all of you out there, if you got tips, stories you want us to cover, you can email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. We do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to talk to you about Marvel. Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show, but not Google Podcasts, which is going away at the end of March. Subscribe anywhere else at Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. I want Marvel to put like my birthday on the slate. Like, let's get add, add some more fun stuff here because it's all stressful things. Yeah, your birthday is Valentine's Day, though, right? That's my emotional, my relationship birthday. Yeah.